Welcome into the 51st episode of the Deep Dive Dynasty podcast. Mm-hmm. We're your co-hosts, Toby and Colin. Toby, how has your week been? It's been fantastic. I played a lot of flag football this morning, mm-hmm. so I'm ready for the NFL. <laughs> only one separation away from being in the league. We're only a week away from 52 whole weeks, going a whole year, and it makes sense because we're getting close to the draft now. It's been a really exciting series, this Rookie Spotlight series, and it continues today with a trio of wide receivers that, coincidentally, are all smaller, speedier guys. Mm -hmm. They all have their unique prospect profile and bring a lot of excitement into the NFL, and they'll all be guys I will be interested to see where they're going to go on draft day. As always, to keep up with everything, like all the NFL news and free agency and all our takes on that for Dynasty, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive Dynasty. But other than that, Toby, why don't we just dive in and let's look at our first wide receiver that's on the docket today, Elijah Moore. I have strong feelings about Elijah Moore because you go and you watch his highlights and this is a man who can absolutely pop off. He is reading zone defenses very well in terms of when he's making his cuts and when he's operating out of the slot. But largely he is just a slot player because it's not that he's tremendously undersized, but just his height alone makes teams put him kind of in that slot receiver role where if he's not getting your returns, he's going to be trying to catch the ball and make something out of it. Pretty impressive college statistics, nothing unbelievable. He's not winning you crazy awards. But I have some major concerns about Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is still a phenomenal athlete. This guy can outrun a horse, I feel like, if he really needs to at the end of the day. This is a guy that if he is in open space and he can just do a little head fake, he's going to be able to take it to the house, which is what makes him so exciting, is that Elijah Moore in open space is almost a touchdown every time depending on you know what level he's at. But I do have concerns about, one, he's a route running, is extremely limited right now. And so he's a guy that if you want him to have value right away, he simply won't. He'll probably be more special teams and trying to refine himself into a route runner and define himself on the offense and actually get a role. I have some concerns about his consistency as well. And it's more just concerns about how the NFL uses players such as Elijah Moore in terms of, I feel like you look at Tyreek Hill, who I'll only reference this once because I know it's very easy to you know compare players to and it's frustrating, sure. but Elijah Moore is going to need to do something very special and do that consistently well in the NFL to actually sculpt himself out a role in the offense because he can be a prolific player. He has the skill set to get some amazing yards after catch runs. I am worried that he can turn into an Andy Isabella where we go, okay, let's put him in the slot. We know he can make some big plays, but then he's relatively phased out of the offense because he's not given the opportunity to go elsewhere. So while Elijah Moore does have a high ceiling, if he's used in a team that maybe is a little depleted at wide receiver and he gets in the field a lot more, he is an extremely low floor, in my opinion. And just after reading a lot of the other kind of reviews on him and where people think he's going, he's not someone I want to be targeting in drafts because I think his price right now is too high for what he's going to deliver in his first season in the NFL. Okay, we disagree. I like it. It hasn't happened a Finally. lot. So I do think his price will be high, and it especially will be if he sneaks into that first round. I have seen yeah. occasional mock drafts where he's for example taken 31st to the chiefs or yeah. you know he's like 
barely squeaking into that first round, but more likely I think he's a day two guy. And Mm -hmm. if I had to choose a round, probably round two. But I think he does deserve that capital. The reason why I really do like Elijah Moore, despite his size, is because of the role he's going to play and the role that I think he's going to excel at. The players that I really don't like when they are just really speedy guys who are small, you know, Henry Ruggs. Out wide, speedy guys. Out wide, spread the defense. Elijah Moore's not. He's T.Y. Hilton. He's playing in the slot predominantly and bringing speed in another way. What I also really like about Elijah Moore is that they use him very dynamically. And that doesn't just mean return yards because he did do some of (laughs) that, but he wasn't necessarily prolific at it. He wasn't incredible. What they were doing was using him in a variety of ways such as sweeps and even very occasional runs. Basically, it was evident to me that Ole Miss wanted to get the ball in his hands as much as they could. And of course, that's somewhat to be expected of a wide receiver who's going to get some significant capital in the NFL. In college, they should be a number one target on their team, or at least very high up there in Mm -hmm. the target distribution. But What Elijah Moore brings to the table, I think, is a level of dynamism and the fact that I know that he will be playing that slot role rather than an outside stretching the field role that pushes him up into that category where I put, for example, the other Moore, Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore, I see them kind of, not necessarily they're the same player, but I rank them similarly. Okay. The place where I landed with Elijah Moore is I actually put him above Rondale Moore, just one spot above, because when I look at Elijah Moore versus someone like Rondale Moore, I see a level of security because of the role he will have. I'm confident Elijah Moore is not a gadget player. I think he's the number two wide receiver target on a team. Interesting. He doesn't profile as that number one. He's clearly not the big alpha outside guy, but I do think he is that secondary in the slot, can soak up targets, and also I I definitely disagree with how good of a route runner he is. I actually quite like his route running. Before I talk a little bit more, let's look at his statistics. So he's 5'9 and 178 pounds, so small guy, very evidently. Spoiler alert, all three guys we're talking about today are there. He's also 21 years of age. At his pro day, he ran a 4.35, so very fast, very solid speed. He also had a pretty solid burst and agility score. His college dominator rating, which shows how much of that target share he got at Ole Miss, is in the 91st percentile, so he was soaking up a ton of targets, is what you want to see. He was absolutely... And another thing that's important to look at, of course, with wide receivers, everyone loves to talk about this topic, is their breakout age. And Elijah Moore did break out at 19.4 years of age, which is very solid. That's in the 83rd percentile. He has three years in college, two of which he really exploded. In 2019, he broke out. So I'm going to talk about his 2019 and 2020 statistics. In 2019, over 12 games, he had 67 receptions. And I will admit, I am sure this is what you're talking about, on 117 targets. So 67 out of 117 is not a great clip. But I mostly attribute that to the terrible accuracy of his quarterback. And also, it's not all on the quarterback. I saw a number of times where he was just getting pressured immediately. And that probably did factor into why a player like Elijah Moore playing in the slot got 117 targets. But some of those targets were just desperation quick throws before he gets absolutely slammed. 
So he caught those 67 targets for 850 yards, which is a yards per reception of 12.7, a target share of 35.2%, which is nuts, and six touchdowns. Then this year, COVID year, of course, in eight games, he had 86 receptions. So that was almost 11 receptions a game on 102 targets for 1,193 yards, 13.9 yards per reception, eight touchdowns. So not only is this guy used out of the slot, he actually does have some red zone upside. Going into my notes that I took directly off his tape, the first thing I wrote is that he was used dynamically. As I mentioned, it's really important especially with these guys who are the faster, smaller guys. You want to see them getting the ball in their hands in any way possible, and that's what they did with Elijah Moore. They actually lined him out of the backfield fairly often, actually almost like a scat back in that type of role. And then, as I said, he got quite a few sweeps out of that position a lot of time, and then predominantly he was used in the slot. He isn't, though, only used out of the slot. He does line up around the field, and one of the routes that I actually think he really excels at is a sluggo. He has that speed that, of course, he can take the top off the defense, and he did catch some of those super deep targets and took them to the house. Of course, anyone with that sort of speed can do that. Making defenders think he wasn't going to run one of those routes, maybe do a crossing route or something like that, and then changing that route out to get down the field. Being able to run routes like that effectively is why I think he actually does have some upside. You are definitely concerned about his ceiling. I don't think it's incredible because I don't think he is going to be that number one on a team. Of course, anyone can be like a Jameson Crowder just happened to be the number one target for the last yeah. couple years, but that's absolutely not how... I expect him to operate. I think a team wants him to be that number two target. But that being said, I think he can be very effective as that number two target. Another couple of notes. I said that he's very shifty and fast. He had a lot of fight in him to slip out of tackles despite his small frame. He's very adept, as you mentioned, at finding the hole in zone defenses. He's really good at knowing when to curl off his routes, etc. And just find that soft spot to get some extra yardage and... I noticed him get a lot of third down conversions because of plays like that. He has solid, but I would say nothing special in terms of his hands. And mm -hmm. what actually surprised me is a few plays where he actually had some jump ball contested catch ability. And that's not something I expect out of a smaller guy playing out of the slot. That was a bit of a surprise to me. So that was a plus as well. And then in terms of his routes, I said that he's got quick burst and... That's not only off the line, but also in and out of his routes. I actually thought he was a pretty solid route runner. I don't think playing out of the slot is the most difficult routes to run in the world, but I think the ones he was running, he was very good at. And I think due to his speed and agility, he can level up in that category as well. And so I actually do have him quite a bit higher than it seems that you do. It's an entirely fair take. You're kind of saying that he is amazing in the slot, which I agree. You know, he's going to be a high pick in the NFL draft because he excels in that slot. I see that as a true limitation and something that really worries me. But I hear your argument that he's not just an outside speedster that if he doesn't catch a couple deep balls, he's benched. He is going to get more targets in the slot, which is true. And I'll be very interested to see. Obviously, if you go in first round to the Chiefs, then I'm going to say, okay, I, uh, you know, I'm going to need to back down from my take a bit. And, and his hype will jump up. Like, there's a point 
if the hype goes too far that I wouldn't be in on him yeah. anymore. I think I think it's also more so how high other people had him ranked compared to what I feel he has to offer. And right now, where it stands, if I'm forced to make a pick in the draft, I'm going to choose someone with a slightly different skill set that I think could be that all-around alpha and wait for a moment when his price is lower. But it's always good to have a player we feel divisive on, because mm-hmm. where he goes in the draft, how he starts being used, it'll be fun to watch. So just talking about rankings really quick before I move on to the next player, mm-hmm. let's not talk about someone like Smith, who we haven't talked about. But Elijah Moore, for me right now, is at number five, and presumably will be number six once Smith is put in there. So Jamar Chase, I know you have over him. Do you have Jalen Waddle over? Elijah? I have. Do you have Waddle, Terrence Marshall? I have Waddle over him, Bateman over him, the player we're going to talk about today over him. Okay. Um, Rondale Moore and Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm-hmm. And to me, he's right in the group of Terrace Marshall and then Tamari on Terry. I think he's a he's he's going to be above Diami Brown for me, but he's I mean he's low. Diami Brown also has fallen quite a bit because of his combine. He is. He has fallen a lot because of his combine. That's true. So is he's much lower for me. That'll be an interesting guy to watch. For sure. And because you've already alluded to it, I'm assuming you're higher on this guy than I am. Why don't you talk to me about... Kadarius Tony? Okay, I like it. Yeah. Kadarius Tony is... I mean, largely his college career was a bit of an experiment. He comes from an Alabama high school where he plays quarterback, and he's just fully unloads at his high school career. Unbelievable quarterback. Again, it's high school. I'm, you know... I'm not going to go too deep into it, but all around, phenomenal athlete, knows the game in and out, eventually converted to wide receiver. And off the line, I absolutely love his footwork. A lot of people talk about how electric he is and his, you know, these big head fakes and jump cuts in space. Mm-hmm. Those are great, but for me, the number one thing that excites me is how special he is off the line. I feel that he gets excellent separation and gets the ability to give head fakes because he's already started to create separation very early in his routes which is something i love to see not really the fastest guy in the world but he can play anywhere on the field particularly out of the backfield he's used quite a few times and i really like when he is in space he's extremely hard to bring down when you look at his numbers and metrics it doesn't look like he's going to be extremely tough to bring down, but when he's throwing out a stiff arm and he's able to kind of put a little juke into it, I notice him getting at least five to six extra yards compared to one of the other guys we're going to talk about today, even though he doesn't have that explosiveness. I recognize that Kadarius Tony doesn't have that burst and that ability to just take three steps and be past a guy, but I think what he has is that football level of smart that he knows when to make a guy miss. And despite him missing a ton of games, he had more missed tackles in the past two seasons than any other wide receiver in college, which is really impressive to me. And I think why that is, is because of his ability to know when to create that separation as soon as off the line. So I'm excited about Darius Tony. And he does struggle with drops. Not like throughout his whole career. I wouldn't say it's something that's plagued him, but... Something that worries me a little bit, and it's one of those things that I just kind of hope he fixes. Mm-hmm. Depending on when he's drafted, I think Darius Tony, a team's going to reach on him. My it happened. These type of smaller, speedier guys yeah. are generally who get overdrafted. I project so, he'll be overdrafted, reached on, and a team's going to want to get him the ball a lot. 
So I think he's got the highest ceiling of any of these three guys we're going to talk about today. So I'm excited about him. I would agree with highest ceiling. Okay. But I, he's not my highest rated, as I've already said. Mm-hmm. Elijah Moore's above. One thing, just before I get into all of my takes, you said the most tackles broken. That must just be for 2020, not the last. You said the last two years. Last year? Cause Maybe just 2020. Yeah. Two years ago, we had 10 receptions in the year. So Gotta be 2020. Yeah. <laughs> I take it back. And uh, that is a big reason as to why he is a lot lower for me okay so Kadarius tony is probably the reason a lot of people clicked on this episode because everyone knows that Kadarius tony is the most polarizing player in this draft Mm -hmm. it's not close Mm -hmm. maybe the other one would be smith but smith everybody has pretty high and he's got the stats to back him up and the caliber Mm -hmm. yada yada Kadarius tony's tape is great the advanced metrics behind him are horrible like, mm-hmm. terrible. Mm-hmm. He is 22.2 years old. He's 5'11 and 193. I think that's solid. I actually also think his pro day is solid. I believe you undersold his speed. I think he's actually a pretty fast guy. He ran a 4.38. I think he's right around that high 4.3s, low 4.4s. Mm-hmm. That, that is the amount of speed I expected him to have. So he does have quite a bit of burst. But his statistics are the reason why... It's hard for me to get that much more into him. His college dominator rating is in the 30th percentile. His college yards per reception is in the 40th percentile. His target share is in the 28th percentile. And his breakout age is in the 24th percentile. Those generally fit someone who doesn't make the league. That's scary. Clearly, <laughs> Kadarius Tony's making the league. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. He's going to be either a first or second round draft pick. And it's trending towards a late first. I can I can see him going again. Like, he could he could be that thirty first pick, or he could yeah. be the type of guy who goes to the Packers and has Everyone a lot of hype. Goodness. Totally, he could go to the Titans and be the number two beside AJ Brown. There's a lot of options where he can be an exciting player, but he has four seasons in this Florida offense, and only one of them was even remotely good. In 2017, he had 152 yards. In 2018, he had 260 yards. In 2019, as I already mentioned, he only had 10 receptions over seven games for 194 yards. So that's in his junior season where you're already expecting he can make an impact, and he's making no impact whatsoever. Then this year, absolutely, he broke it onto the scene, and in 11 games, he had 70 receptions on 84 targets, so a much better catch rate, that's for sure. Almost seven receptions a game for 984 yards for 14.1 yards per reception, and 10 receiving touchdowns. I actually expected that I would like Kadarius Tony less than I do. But okay. that doesn't but I'm still clearly going to be lower on him than you are. So he actually has the build that I look for in these smaller guys. He has that extra bit of weight. He's nearing that 195 mark. That's a, you know, a very solid weight for a wide receiver. That's kind of what you're looking for. He also, like you mentioned, was used pretty dynamically and lined up all over the field, used in the return game, and a lot of the time, when you don't have a ton of years of production or a huge amount of production, having those return yards is important, and it does translate to getting an earlier opportunity in the NFL. So just like Elijah Moore, I think it's a good thing that these guys have return yards, although you hope they don't do that in the NFL, but still. When he has the ball in his hands, he's kind of like a running back. You were talking about his stiff arms, but really for me, it's his contact balance. I'm actually really impressed with his ability to stay on his feet. 
He yeah. can take tackles and some big hits, and he can keep himself moving and create big plays out of it because he's just really good at leaning into those hits, bouncing off of them, and staying on his feet and keeping his legs driving. And those are usually things we talk about when we're talking about running backs. Mm -hmm. I think the reason why a lot of people like him and the reason why his film really pops, on top of just being faster than most of his college competition, it's the ability that he has when cutting. He has incredibly good cuts and he can just turn on a dime. People are very drawn to just being able to juke people out like that. and these He's are super exciting to go watch highlights totally. of. Like, and I think that's what causes some of the overreactions we're seeing in terms of where he's ranked, mm-hmm. is people will remember these just you know nasty head fakes and go, oh, Darius Tony. Yeah. And so I actually don't think he's a super refined route runner yet, but I think those skills mean that he can become one. I think, like you said, with his incredibly high ceiling, I agree. Because this year, he looked very good. He has a bigger body, which is more ideal for becoming more of an alpha who will absorb more targets in comparison to people like Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore. He's bigger than those guys, which is something I definitely care about a lot. And kind of like I said with Elijah Moore, his hands are good, but they're not special. They're not anything too crazy. He had some drops, but... It definitely, I wouldn't say, is a massive problem. I think a great example that a clip that blew up a little too big, I would say, would be he absolutely burned someone one-on-one in his pro day, but then had a pretty bad drop to go along with it. I don't think that is very common for Kadarius Tony. I don't think that's totally the norm, but he definitely doesn't have like the surest hands ever. He's not quite like the tight end that came from the same team. In the end, when I'm trying to rank Kadarius Toney against these other wide receivers, it's difficult for me because I do like his film. I would say in terms of a film grade, he would be slightly ahead of Elijah Moore for me. However, there are a lot of question marks that come along with Kadarius Toney. It doesn't make much sense to me that he really couldn't find himself on the field until this year, and he really only had one year of pretty solid production, and that pretty solid production wasn't even that fantastic. He was not getting 10 or 12 targets a game as the wide receiver one on his team. That's true. He wasn't absolutely blowing me away in the statistics column, and especially that's true when you look further back than 2020. So there are huge question marks for me. I agree with the high ceiling, but the floor is a nothing receiver. Yeah... I wouldn't say like a nothing receiver because he's he's gonna still piece together enough highlight plays that he'll get on the field. I feel like I feel like there's no way he's drafted and then makes zero impact for his team year one. You know, I mean, you could have said that about like John Ross. He could have that type of like not. Like oh, John Ross isn't gracious. non-existent, but there are busts that happen. There yeah, are early right. first round busts that happen. All of these guys have some level of question mark about them. I just think that Kadarius Tony's is a little bit higher. And so it scares me a bit when you're talking about probably an early second round pick is the range we're talking right now that I think Kadarius Tony will be going in, especially if he gets that first round draft capital. I'm probably looking elsewhere. Okay. Let's get into our third guy now. Tutu Atwell, my favorite name that we've talked about so far. What do you think about Tutu? Tutu Atwell is, in my mind, a less explosive version of Elijah Moore, who I've already admitted I'm not 
extremely hot on. What I love about Tutu Atwell is how dynamically he's using the backfield. You see him all the time doing sweeps, just regular handoffs, and a lot of little routes where he'll start in the backfield and just run a wheel route. And because he's so much faster than most of the guys he's around, he's really used effectively in the red zone. You can see that a lot, 15 yards, he'll just do a little stutter, break into a wheel route, catch the ball, and just beat the guy to the corner. That's awesome. What Elijah Moore has that Tutu Atwell does not have is refined route running. What Elijah Moore has is more strength. There were frequent times where Tutu Atwell's kind of, as soon as he's taking contact, doesn't have great balance, doesn't have a powerful stiff arm, and is going down way easier than you'd want him to. Part of that is, again, due to his size, super, super speedy, can have that big splash play where he beats a guy in a bench and go, and you know, he's gone. But it's, you know, one of the reasons I really like him and that he's effective is he's getting the ball kind of quickly and at the line of scrimmage. But then I, one of my biggest knocks on him is he's not breaking many tackles. He doesn't have what Kadarius Tony has in terms of his jukes and moving around guys' ability. And then he doesn't have what Elijah Moore has in terms of his route tree is so much smaller. I mean, he's still a wide receiver. He can run all the routes. He's still a great athlete. But he doesn't have what I believe can take him to the next level in the NFL in that when you look at some of the faster kind of gadget-ish type receivers in the NFL, even if they're running a motion pre-snap, they're making the defense commit to that person and trying to game plan for him. I don't think you have to game plan for Tutu Atwell. And for that reason, I think he's got the lowest floor out of all these guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's super fast. And he, I actually, people were kind of commenting that he has got bad hands. I don't think his hands are that bad. I think when it comes down to it, he's made some great diving catches. And I think he will have some highlight plays. So I'm not super down on Tutu Atwell. But de depending on where he goes, right now, he's not a guy I'm targeting in drafts. If he falls really late to me, that's awesome. But I do view him as a little stunted in terms of his growth because... I mean, one, he, he's got the, he doesn't have a great height. He's tiny. You know, he, he's, he's extremely small. And so he's not going to be out leaping guys all of a sudden. He's not going to be beating guys with any sort of size or physicality. So for him to become a viable dynasty asset, he's going to need a great offensive coordinator who's scheming him into great places. And I don't want that to happen. When I'm looking at a dynasty asset I'm super excited about, I want a guy that can create his own space, can make his own role in the offense. And I don't think Tutu Atwell is quite that. So in terms of our rankings today, I got Kadarius Tony 1, Elijah Moore 2. Tutu's going to be my third. Mm -hmm. So I went into Tutu Atwell film and really just my entire prospect analysis, having heard some very good things about how solid of a late round shot he could be. And I even saw some people with him in their top five, top six wide receivers in the class. And so I was like, okay, this guy's definitely going to be exciting, right? I think Tutu Atwell is easily the worst prospect we have looked at through all of the episodes so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to be mean. <laughs> I, that's just my... He is easily at the bottom so far. I'm sure there will be more people who will jump ahead of him. Interesting. And I'm sorry, but we're talking about three small guys, right? Yeah. How much weight do you think Kadarius Tony? and elijah moore have they must have like 15 pounds on them so 15 Kadarius to 20 tony is 193 oh elijah moore he can't. is 178 
Tutu Atwell is 155 pounds. Bro, I'm 160, I must be. And for any... You're, you're more than 160. Yeah. We're not big guys. Okay? <laughs> um, the smallest wide receiver in the league is 11 pounds heavier than Tutu Atwell. It's not yeah. that he's small. Tutu Atwell is tiny. And when I saw that, it was the first thing I saw before I went into film. I was like, okay, this guy better look special. No, he, 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 he didn't look yeah, special. He's not bringing any, anything to the table that you haven't seen in other guys, such as Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is has all of the qualities of Tutu Atwell, but more refined, and he's just better. Mm-hmm. So I am so confused. You've got Pro Football Focus. You've got Walter Football. Some of these other places have him in their top 10 wide receivers. And I'm like, why in a rookie draft would you bet on this insane outlier? When he wasn't even that great in college, he was solid. He was very productive there. But when I am looking at where I am willing to take him at the next level, when I didn't even think his tape was that special, it's very hard for me to justify taking an analytical risk on a player that he is going to be a complete outlier. The smallest wide receiver that I already said is Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown looks tiny up there. Mm -hmm. Tutu Atwell is a lot smaller than Hollywood Brown. Like but Hollywood Brown has some, you know, insane athletic measurables. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm definitely concerned about Tutu Atwell, and I was very disappointed because I did go into it having some high hopes. So before we get into anything, let's look at his stats. So he's 5'9", 155. As I said, he's also 21.5, so a solid age. He ran a 4'3", so like I said, all these three guys we talked about are fast today. His college dominator rating is in the 75th percentile, and his breakout age is in the 92nd percentile. I'm actually, to be honest, a little bit confused of why his 2018 season counts as a breakout, but I believe it's due to the target share he had within his offense, so even though his yardage total isn't super high, it still counts as a breakout season. In 2018, over 10 games, he had 24 receptions, so 2.4 receptions a game for 406 yards and two touchdowns. Then in 2019, in 13 games, he had 69 receptions for 1,272 yards, 18.4 yards per reception, so very good, and 11 touchdowns. So that 2019 season was very solid. Then he regressed a little bit this year. In nine games, he had 46 receptions for 625 yards, which is 13.6 yards per reception and seven touchdowns. Still solid. But my issue, as I've said, is not to do with his counting stats. It's to do with the more advanced stats and the fact that he has to be a huge outlier to succeed in the NFL. One of the things that came to mind immediately when I saw that weight is Dedicated listeners of this podcast will remember last year after the draft, we talked about the day three running backs and wide receivers, and we watched all their tape and wanted to see who we liked as late round shots. And Toby brought up Darnell Mooney. And my issue with Darnell Mooney is he had to be a bit of an outlier to succeed. Mm -hmm. He was. He hit that outlier. He's 21 pounds heavier than Tutu Atwell. That's a lot. That's a lot of weight. And I I do think that the market will probably correct because everywhere I saw him listed, he was listed at 165 and then he weighed in at 155. So people definitely thought he was going to be a bit heavier than he is. But still, 
unfortunately 155 is just really difficult to make an impact at the NFL level. Talking about his tape, I thought he's definitely quick, he has great acceleration, and good ability to change direction. He's fast, but he's not elite insane fast. And I think for him to succeed and to be very effective, being that small, he needed to be that crazy John Ross type Henry Ruggs fast. I do think that high 4.3s, low 4.4s, that sounds about right, honestly, for what he looked like on tape. He's good at finding gaps in the defense in the same way we talked about Elijah Moore, so I think he can be used as that type of deep threat. He also tracks the ball quite well, and I agree, his hands aren't that bad. I think it's a little overrated. Some people I know, they look at hand measurements, and I think they put a little bit too much stock into that. The golden example of that would be Anthony Miller, who has massive hands and everyone was so in love with because of his hand size. And Tutu Atwell is the opposite. His hands are a little bit too small, but I don't think he struggles that much catching the ball. He looked okay to me on film, but that's really all the notes I took because he's just this prototypical guy. He is the speedy, effective receiver in college, but he is going to struggle at the next level because of how small he is. I really wanted to go into this liking him, but unfortunately, I came out of it really not liking his tape because it doesn't overcome the amount that I dislike his height and weight. I don't think he can succeed as the type of receiver that's going to get a lot of targets and produce in fantasy football. Yeah. That's it, though. That is this episode. We've breezed through these three very interesting smaller wide receivers. I absolutely will be excited to look on day two because I think... By the end of day two, all three of these guys are projected to be gone. Even Tutu Atwell, he's projected to be a second or third rounder. So who knows? Things can change. It's definitely going to be an exciting trio to monitor on draft day. As always, if you want to keep up with us, including on draft day, where I'm sure we'll be tweeting a lot, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive Dynasty. But before we end this episode, Toby has a Dynasty buy of the week for me to guess. So why don't you hit me off with hint number one. Hint number one. My last two games of the season, I had over 150 receiving yards and three touchdowns. And did you say that was per game or overall? Just overall in my last okay. two games. Okay, so I am going to go wide receiver, and I'm going to guess that this is someone that it was a bit surprising he put up that good of stats. So I'm going to go someone a little bit deeper. And I will say hmm, 150 total over two games. Isn't that crazy for a wide receiver? Maybe I should go tight end or running back. I don't know if this is a bad guess. I know you've given him as a dynasty buy before, but it's a while ago. I'm going to guess Boston Scott, because I think he did well at the end of the year. I think he did too, but he's, he's not my dynasty buy. Okay. And number two, I'm a wide receiver and a rookie this year. And in my final four weeks of the season... Had 33 targets. A rookie. Hmm. Two good games at the end of the year. How many targets over those four? 33. 33. I'll go with someone who started to blow up late in the year and Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis, I like the answer, but no. He number three. I'm 22 years old and 222 pounds. Hmm. The other guy in my mind was Darnell Mooney, so I'm glad I didn't (laughs) stick with him. 222? It's a lot. Big boy. Mm-hmm. My very first thought is Gandy Golden, but I really don't think he started putting up stats at the end of the year unless it was completely off my radar. So is there another 
very big receiver. Don't think you'd do Claypool. One of the only other pretty big guys that comes to mind, I'm going to guess Donovan Peoples-Jones. DPJ, another good guess, but no again. Fourth hint, my team is definitely expected to draft a quarterback in the first round this year. Definitely expected means there's only a few teams. I can immediately think of one who's on the Jaguars and a very tall boy. I wouldn't have thought he's this heavy, but it's definitely possible as Colin Johnson. Then at number two, you have the Jets. And I know that Mims isn't 222 pounds. He's not that big. Third pick would be San Fran. Again, don't think Brandon Ayuk is that big. I'm very interested to see why this would be your dynasty pick, but I think the guy who makes the most sense is Colin Johnson. It's not Colin Johnson. Mm, dang, I'm getting late into those hints. My, my final hint is, despite my team signing Marvin Jones in the offseason, <laughs> I still think I have the opportunity to be the wide receiver one. Ah, uh, yeah, damn, it's Chenault. It's Chenault. Uh, it is Chenault. That was a dumb oversight. <laughs> I mean, Colin Johnson is a wide receiver, and he probably is that big, and like all of it's working out. And I, I can't remember how well he did at the end of the season, but probably not that well. Lavisca Chenault um, didn't have a great rookie year. By he was fine. You know, he came in. He was generally involved. He didn't really do anything in the middle. Come the end of the year, I feel like the Jags. I mean. They were sucking. They sucked. So bad. Just before you move on, I happened to watch the mic'd up from week one. Oh, yeah. And I'm still so mad that I got knocked out of a survivor pool <laughs> with the eventual, what was it, 11 and 5 Colts? No, it was worse. They were so, so much worse. What did the Jags finish? Well, the Jags got one, one win. That was it. Yeah. But the, oh, yeah. But the Colts, they were like 11 and 5, and how. Is that possible that I got knocked out week one with a, with a solid playoff team losing to the a team's only win of the season? And Chenault scored three. a touchdown in that game, oh, so you must yes. be very, very angry with him. Still mad about it. But yeah, Chenault has a lot going on for him. One, I project because they signed Marvin Jones and they have DJ Chark and Chenault and Colin Johnson, I don't think they're going to spend high draft capital on a wide receiver. I pr- I'm not going to promise, but I can almost promise you that Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jags. I would promise it. Trevor Lawrence, at quarterback, he's not going to just target one guy. He's better than that. And I think LaVisca Chanel, he's better than Colin Johnson. Whether he's better than Marvin Jones, we'll have to find out. Whether he has longevity on the team, DJ Shark leaves, we'll have to find out. But at this point, you have the opportunity to get a guy that doesn't look like the clear number one, so you don't have to pay number one price for him, who definitely is going to be catching balls from Trevor Lawrence. And people who are projecting Trevor Lawrence high, which is almost all of us, try and get one of his wide receiver options. I would do it. Mm-hmm. I like it. First of all, I'm a complete dumb idiot for remembering Colin Johnson, but not <laughs> LaVisca Chanel. It's funny because... It's, it's a surprising tidbit to remember. And I also said, like, I don't know why... Colin Johnson would be, yeah. and it's because they have three such obvious wide receivers in front of them, yeah. one of which was also a rookie, and I yeah. just didn't think of it, so mm-hmm. just being dumb. But uh, yeah, I don't think you're alone in the buy Chanel hype train. Right okay. Now. So I'm not 100% sure what his price tag would be, hmm. but I do like the possibility, you know, his rookie season didn't blow anyone away, but there is significant upside. Yeah. Also, Marvin Jones is not going to be there for a super long time, no. and 
DJ Chark is a free agent after this year, so there is a possibility that his target competition does decrease. And of course, also, you have the Trevor Lawrence factor and the fact that his quarterback situation will definitely improve in terms of how good of targets he is getting. So I don't think it's a bad call at all. I think his profile as a prospect was very interesting. We talked about him on our first show ever almost a year ago, and it remains true a lot of the things we said back then that his size and his unique abilities, including his speed and his hands and everything, definitely make him profile that there's a chance he could be that number one. And honestly, he profiles more of a number one than DJ Chark does. There's absolutely a chance that he can overtake that position. And that's one of the reasons why recently I was very willing to move away from DJ Chark in a trade. Mm-hmm. That's it, everyone. That is our 51st episode of the Deep Dive Dynasty podcast. Thank you always for listening. This has been so much fun, and it's only going to get more fun as we get closer and closer to the draft. Next week, we will be talking about Najee Harris and a couple of other running backs. Make sure you check out our poll on Twitter so you figure out exactly who those running backs are, because we want to be talking about the running backs that you want to hear most. Check us out there, and we'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one. Peace out.